You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 219. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I am presenting an encore episode this week as my family has recently suffered loss and I took the time I normally prepare for a new podcast to invest in them. I mentioned this episode last week and I think it is a perfect partner to what we went over last week so we will be back in the book of Acts and then slip over to Psalm 118 too. And on this episode, you'll hear me talk about tips I use to study God's Word. I now call these tips Bites, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. It's really neat to look back and see how God has refined his message through the podcast. Okay, let's not wait any longer. Here's the encore episode using 7th Time Down's song, Just Say Jesus. This week's song, Just Say Jesus by 7th Time Down, is a wonderful anthem to all of us who've come to the end of our rope. The name of Jesus is not just a Sunday school answer, but it's a powerful representation of God and it holds power in our lives. And on today's episode, we see proof of it in Scripture. While listening to the band talk about this song behind the stage at an event, and I will link to that interview in the show notes, one of the band members mentioned the story of Peter and John getting arrested for doing work in the name of Jesus. This is a fabulous scripture to explore and a wonderful representation of the power of the name of Jesus. And to know what's going on in the story, you really need to start in Acts chapter 3. But as always, I encourage you to back up as far as you can to really get an idea of the context of what is going on. So if you start in Acts chapter 1, you can see that Jesus ascends to heaven. And this is after he was crucified and resurrected. And you can read about his crucifixion and his resurrection in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in John. And then as Jesus himself promised, the Holy Spirit could not come until he left. And so after he ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down, and the early church began with this magnetic sermon by Peter and thousands committing their lives to following Christ. And Scripture actually describes this season of the early church by saying that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, for those of you new to my study style, I do want to give you a tip here. When Once you're familiar with portions of Scripture, you don't necessarily have to read the whole book to know where you are in the story. You can use 
the section headings found in most Bibles to give you your context clues. So, for example, here are the section headings in the English Standard Version from the first verses of Acts through where our focus will land us today. So those section titles are The Promise of the Holy Spirit, The Ascension, Matthias Chosen to Replace Judas, The Coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter's Sermon at Pentecost, The Fellowship of the Believers, and The Lame Beggar Healed. Well, that's pretty much what I just said in my context recap to you, isn't it? But if you were just reading your Bible on your own or trying to determine the context of maybe a sermon that you heard on Sunday or a devotion that you're reading or another message that you heard from another podcast or another uh, uh, another message some that, somewhere that you're listening to, you can use this tool to help you remember where you are in the story. And if you're not familiar with scripture, if you're not familiar with the stories and, and, and the headings, they might just intrigue you. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, maybe you're reading along and you see the heading that says Matthias chosen to replace Judas and you're, you're not really familiar with that story. You're not sure of those details. So then you can stop and read that section of scripture. It's okay. It's a perfect way to get engaged in scripture. And unless you're really in a structured Bible study where you're called on to answer certain questions and explore particular areas of Scripture, and maybe that's all that you have time for, otherwise, just give yourself permission. Take a rabbit trail. you, You never know where it might lead. I laugh because that's what I do every week here on this podcast. I mean, I I just... I have something new to say each week because I just chase those rabbit trails that I uncover in scripture. And it's fun for me because there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, my whole goal is to take the song and point you back to scripture. And I could do that. I mean, I've I've done 38 episodes, 37 songs, and I could take those 37 songs and do all new podcasts and head in completely different directions in scripture Because God's word is just that rich. And when you're engaged and you're interested, you're going to truly learn to like reading your Bible. And that is my hope and my prayer for you. So now that we see that the promise of the Holy Spirit and the ascension and Matthias chosen to replace Judas and the coming of the Holy Spirit and Peter's sermon at Pentecost, and then finally the fellowship of believers, we come upon the section of Acts where we learn about the lame beggar receiving healing in Acts chapter 3. And for the purpose of today's podcast, I want to unpack the power that is in the name of Jesus. I can't help but give you a mini lesson here that will only make sense to you if you really familiarize yourself with the story on your own, because I'm not going to read all of Acts chapter 3 to you right here. But I'm just going to go ahead and give you that lesson-laden recap, and then you can maybe go back and read Acts 3 And maybe even come back to this uh, section of the podcast and just see the links that I'm going to teach you. But first of all, Peter and John, they're walking along. They're faithfully living life. They're heading to the temple to pray as they did every day. This is not something new. This was going to be part of their regular routine. So the lesson here is that they were just faithfully doing what they knew that they were supposed to do. I I find a lot of times believers are like, I want to know what God's will for my life is. And oftentimes uh, these miracle moments will happen in the midst of you just doing the last thing that he told you to do. Just being really faithful to do the things that he's already asked you to do. If you have a job, 
faithfully do that job to the best of your ability. If you're a student, study and, and apply yourself. If you're a parent, uh read books on parenting and be really intentional in what you're trying to do. If you're a spouse, do the same. Just faithfully do what God has asked you to do. So they're walking to the temple. They're going to the temple like they always do. And there's this lame man begging at the gate of the temple. And here's the thing. This guy, scripture says later on that he's 40 years old, that he was brought to the temple. I have a feeling if this is what they were doing every day, that they were faithfully doing what they've always done that they've seen this guy before. and But today, they really saw him. So here's the lesson, that you if you stop and sensitively address a need, you know, maybe, maybe you've walked past a need day after day after day, but today, you see it in a new way. You can sensitively address that need. There's that lesson there. Then Peter and John asked the beggar to look right at them. And there's a little lesson there that if you have the courage to face the problem, look at it in the eye, at which point the beggar thought that they were going to give him money. Of course he thought that because it, he, that's his, that's what he's been doing every day is asking for alms. And the lesson here is that others anticipated receiving solutions from them. So you're going to be walking along in life and you're going to see opportunities. And sometimes you're going to see them and you're thinking, this opportunity was before me every day, but today I'm seeing it a new way. But you, when you look at that problem and you face it head on, you realize that others may be expecting something from you. And then they admit their lack of monetary resources. And the lesson here is that they were realistic. They, they weren't just, they weren't being super spiritual and saying, you, you know, um, God can provide and all this stuff. They just, they said, I don't have any money. But then they called on the name of Jesus to heal the man. And this lesson is that they fearlessly used their God-given authority and then were generous with their spiritual resources. So the man is healed and he jumps up and runs around and praises God. And what's interesting, and here's the lesson here, is a very practical problem was solved. It was done through spiritual means, but the man could not walk. And he was lame from birth. And so a very practical problem was solved. And then the people in the temple realized that it's that lame beggar that's been at the gate for forever. And the lesson here is that Peter and John gained credibility through their demonstration, not just their proclamation. Now, how much more credibility do they have if they would have just said that there's power in the name of Jesus and he can heal you versus stand up and be healed? There's uh, They gained credibility through demonstration, not just their words. And of course, the people were amazed. And so Peter takes this opportunity to launch into this amazing altar call style sermon. And so the lesson here is that the dem- this demonstration gives Peter a platform and a convincing argument to then really do what he's there to do, which is proclaim Jesus. So this practical problem gets solved. And because of that, so many are exposed to the truth, the real, the true problem, the spiritual problem was that they needed a savior. They needed salvation. And all of that was accomplished by solving a really practical problem and giving themselves a platform in the process. 
So I can't skip over that key verse in chapter three where it, I'm sorry. Yeah. The key verse in chapter three and verse six, Peter says these famous words. He says, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Again, they did not have the earthly resources to solve this very practical problem, but they had unlimited spiritual resources through the name of Jesus. So what does our song say about all that? Life gets tough And times get hard And it's hard to find the truth In all the lies So back to Acts. In Acts chapter 4, we read, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So again, this is back in the context of where we started, which is right after he healed the lame beggar, Peter had platform, and he used it to launch into a sermon. Uh, But it doesn't seem fair, does it? You know, Peter and John are just doing what they knew to do, and they were faithfully serving God and going to the temple to pray. They see a need that they can't meet through their earthly resources, but they courageously call on God to meet them, meet this need through his unlimited resources. And then they gain credibility so much so that 5,000 men come to faith in Christ, and then they get arrested. It doesn't seem fair. It really just seems unfair in this world's economy. But in God's economy, it all has purpose. Let's just check it out in verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, I love the question in verse 7, by what power or by what name did you do this? It's almost like they're two in one, like the power comes with the name. More on that later. But they're asking really by By whose authority have you healed this man? And they can't deny the miracle, but they want to discredit it by discrediting the power source. So when you look up the Greek word for name, you find it means name, character, fame, or reputation. 
And what they're, when they're asking this question about the name, they realize that the name is a manifestation or revelation of someone's character. And to the Hebrew, and, and these are the most devout Hebrews, they were the, of the high priestly family. A name is inseparable from the person to whom it belongs. The name is the essence of who someone is. So in verse 11, Peter does uh, something that we would likely glaze over, maybe even miss, but he, he actually quotes from the Old Testament. And one way that I know that he's doing this is that if you're reading a, a physical Bible or even online, you might see a little cross-reference, a number or a letter. And, and what that's calling you to do is to look at the footnote. And sometimes it, the footnote will just say it's from a, a different text or, or sometimes it's interpreted this way. But oftentimes that footnote is a cross-reference to another scripture, another area of scripture that might be being quoted. And that's what's happening here. And so it really kind of makes me think of how I've got some friends that can quote movie lines. They've seen a movie so much, they know just when to pull out a line from a famous or obscure scene to make their point. And that's kind of what Peter's doing here. Uh, when you quote the Old Testament to these guys, they know exactly what he's talking about. They've seen the movie, okay? they In fact, they probably could quote the entire Psalm 118, which is where Peter is pulling this verse or this reference from. They could quote the entire Psalm back to Peter right there in his presence. Uh that's where that statement comes from. It's the statement out of Psalm 118 is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And Peter's looking right at them and he's saying, you are the builders and you rejected the cornerstone that's being referenced here in Psalm 118. So as soon as Peter quotes from Psalm 118 and he ascribes that cornerstone to Jesus, what he doesn't have to do is then quote verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 29 out of Psalm 118, where it teaches that, that God's steadfast love endures forever because they've seen the movie. They know the psalm. And standing in front of these intimidating and learned men by quoting verse 22, Peter doesn't have to quote verses 6 and 7, where it says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. He doesn't have to say, The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Because they've seen the movie. He doesn't have to say, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Because they know this psalm inside and out. They know it. And in regard to opposition, he doesn't have to remind them of the three times in verses 10, 11, and 12 that the psalmist proclaims, In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. And he definitely doesn't have to remind them that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because all of these things are already running through their minds when he quotes the 22nd verse and ascribes it to Jesus. Now, I love what happened next so much so that I made it our memory verse this week. It says in Acts 4.13, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. 
and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now they understood that although obviously Peter knew scripture, he was not as educated as they were. He did not spend his whole life in the scriptures. He was uneducated. He was a he was a fisherman. He was a common person. And he knew enough to be able to relate back to them, but the power was not in the quoting of the verse. The power was in in the fact that he had been with Jesus. And then this is how these learned men solve the issue. After all, they cannot deny the miracle. That miracle is standing is dancing around like a crazy fool right next to them. Actually, Scripture technically says at this point he was standing right next to them. But earlier, he was walking and leaping and praising God. So they, this is how they solved it. They charged uh, Peter and John not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So this is how they solve the problem. They can't have all this miracle business spreading because the name by which they have this authority may gain traction and that name may start spreading. So the solution is to limit the use of the name. This is the same tactic our enemy is using today. If we can just limit the use of the name of Jesus, if we can just limit the use of the name of Christ, we can stop its influence. You don't believe me? Well, just think of all the changes in the past years to take Christ out of Christmas. So extreme has it become that you can't even go into a store. I mean, I've I've heard stories of of cashiers just quietly saying, Merry Christmas. I'm really not supposed to say it. I'm supposed to just say Happy Holidays. And I know some of it will say, well, that's just to be politically correct or not to offend or so that we can all be tolerant. But make no mistake, it is because there is power in the name of Christ. And there's power in the name of Jesus. And when you call on his name, he has promised to rescue. Whisper it now. Oh, shout it. He will rescue you. Just head over to Psalm 118 and see it for yourself. And don't forget what Peter reminds us in Acts chapter 4, right after his movie line style quote. He says, Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Our song reminds us to call out to the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself referred to himself in this manner when he teaches us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what's next? Well, if you've never called on the name of Jesus for salvation, there's no better time like the present. It's that simple. And then head over to Acts and start reading. Our our main focus has been to in chapters three and four. So you can read those chapters for yourself. Go ahead and finish out chapter four. I haven't given you all of the details. They're pretty interesting. And I've also referenced Psalm 118. It's a, it's a lovely compliment to what you're going to be reading in Acts. 
Well, I hope you've enjoyed this week's Encore episode. And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Hop on Twitter at Michelle Nizat or Facebook Michelle L. Nizat and let's talk about what you're learning. Or you can leave a comment on this week's show notes, michellenizat.com forward slash 219. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Kathy from Missouri, Sheena from Alberta, Canada, Laura from Washington, and Kathy from Louisiana. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five Bible interaction tool exercises, my bites, that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. And while you're there, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This not only encourages me, but also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship to jump into scripture. And if you liked this episode, would you mind it sharing it with sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 219. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.